get this. He gives me a table and I can't see over it. Well, I don't need a table. Mike shared with you that I have three churches. So by the time I get to Baxter Springs and then on to Galena, I don't need notes because I've already done it once and had a warm-up act. But I didn't get a warm-up act today. Do you listen to God? I find that listening to God is one of the most challenging things that I do. I pray. And I give God glory and thanksgiving. And I praise God's goodness and God's greatness. And then I share my bucket full of concerns and questions and my petitions. I ask for forgiveness, and again, I give thanksgiving, but in the midst of all my talking to God, I sometimes forget to stop and listen. I forget to wait for God to answer, and God does answer. But I've been blessed with people that have taught me how to shut up and listen. Thank you, Mama. But I'm going to ask you to pray with me tonight a prayer I learned about how to listen for God. It's Psalm 4610, the very first part. And they got it up here on screen. This verse reminds me to slow down and listen. Be still and know that I am God. I say this verse as a prayer because when I do, it silences my chatter and I can hear God speaking. So here's how it goes, folks. We drop off words as we pray. So first we will say together, be still and know that I am God. Now drop the last word. Be still and know that I am. Drop the last two, the last three. So, be still and know. First two words. Be still, be. Let's do that again. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know. Be still. Be. Simply be. Now everybody take a deep breath. Let it out. It's time to be. I'm listening to God tonight. You see, I decided weeks ago. You better make that months ago. It goes back before Thanksgiving. I knew that if we had another revival and I was blessed to preach, I was preaching on the ten lepers. I did this gratitude, attitude of gratitude series, and the message of the lepers really got to me. It just grabbed a hold of me because the most amazing part of that story, the healing doesn't happen until the lepers turn their backs on Jesus. Oh, 
Yeah, that's why I thought my churches were going to run me out on a rail. You don't turn your back on Jesus. But in this story of the ten lepers, that's when the healing happens. Because when they turn their back on Jesus, they are doing what Jesus said to do. They are turning their back so they can go to the priest and show themselves. That's the miracle. It doesn't always have to happen face-to-face with Jesus. And that really got to me because sometimes the miracles in my life don't happen face-to-face with Jesus. It's when I'm finally being obedient. And I was going to preach that, and you were going to get a long sermon. I was going to build up to that, and it was going to be wonderful. And last night, (laughs) swish, Swish was preaching, and God said, no lepers. And I say, God, I already have the leper sermon figured out. It's done and in the books. No lepers. God, don't you understand, on Monday morning, I have two clergy meetings. I have homework due by midnight, and the kids don't have school because of President's Day. I don't have time for you to change my plans. And God laughed. (laughs) And God said, no lepers. And I said, fine, then you have to bring the word. I sing off key. I never hit a note right unless it's an occasional B-flat because I B-flat all the time. (laughs) I was in chapel two weeks ago and the most amazing man I've ever heard singing, he led a song before the sermon. And I am not going to get those notes right but you're going to get the message that he gave me. Is there a word from the Lord? Send your word, send your word. We need a word from the Lord. Send your word, send your word. Is there a word from the Lord? Send your word, send your word. We need a word from the Lord. Send your word, send your word. There is healing in the word, deliverance in the word, salvation in the word. Send your word, send your word. I realized why God said no lepers. I was one of the nine that didn't turn around and say thank you. I told God it was my way because those lepers were important to me. So tonight, even though I told the prayer group, I'm preaching those ten lepers and I'm early in the week so no one's going to steal my word. It's God's word. And tonight I'm listening to God. So we're just going to be.
this afternoon while the kids were making noise and the dog was barking and I was thinking I should do homework but I'm not going to until midnight. God said, tell him your favorite story. I'm going to read to you tonight and I'm going to tell you why. This is an important story to you. And why it's my absolute favorite story of Jesus. John chapter 11. Now a certain man was ill. Lazarus of Bethany. The village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume. And wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus. Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory. So that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then, after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, The Jews were just now trying to stone you. And are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble because they see the light of this world. Those who walk at night stumble because the light is not in them. After saying this, he told them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will be all right. Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death. And they thought that he was referring merely to sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and to Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and she met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, 
if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the son of God, the one coming into the world. When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary get up and quickly go out. They followed her because they thought that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me. And I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here. So they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice. Lazarus, come out! The dead man came out. 
his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, and his face wrapped in cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. This is the word of God for the people of God. My favorite story. My whole life, this has been my favorite Jesus story. Now, you would think it's the resurrection of Jesus, but it's the resurrection of Lazarus that's my favorite because in this passage, Jesus is fully human and fully divine. Jesus wept. Only people can do that. Jesus wept. Jesus had friends. He had relationships. Mary and Martha and Lazarus were people he hung out with. You know, the kind of friend that comes home and and doesn't knock on the door, just walks on in. Hey, I'm back. Kicks off the shoes, sits on the couch, grabs the remote and asks, you got a bottle of water in the fridge for me? That's what Jesus could do at Mary, Martha, and Lazarus' house. They did not have expectations of him as a friend. But they knew him as Messiah. They knew him as Son of God. They knew him. And he could be real with them. And he loved Mary. And he loved Martha. And he loved Lazarus. And he knew what was going to happen. He knew Lazarus was going to die before he would get there. And still he let it happen. Jesus knew as he approached Bethany, this might be the last miracle before he died. He knew with Lazarus in the tomb, It wasn't going to be long before it was his tomb. It wasn't going to be long before it was his stone that needed to be rolled away. He knew it wasn't going to be long before it was his resurrection. People would know. But still, as Mary and Martha both pleaded with him, In a lament, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not be dead. He knew what he was getting ready to go do. He knew the power he had to walk into that tomb and command Lazarus to get up. Quit sleeping and get up. Even though Jesus knew that, Jesus wept. He sat with them in the equivalent of Holy Saturday, not knowing what was going to happen. They didn't know. And he sat with them in their grief and in their loss. And you know what? We all are there sometimes. And Jesus will sit with us in our grief and in our loss and in our buckets of things that we want to dump at his door. He is ready to sit with us. I love how Jesus cries for the people he loves. 
I love how Jesus cries for you. I love how Jesus cries for me. I love that story because Jesus becomes real in a way that he doesn't in other stories for me. He's human. And he's not afraid to show it. But he's God and he's not afraid to show it either. Think about Jesus in every miracle story. Well, okay, not everyone. We can't use the big words like every all. And, and you know, we've got to be careful. There might be an exception. Miracle stories in general, people are coming to Jesus with an expectation. They know he can do it. And they come and they bring all their expectations to Jesus. All right, God, those lepers, they had an expectation. They knew that he was the master and he could do anything. And that's why they called out to Jesus. But you know what? His own mother had expectations. That wedding at Cana, yeah, Jesus, they're out of wine. What do you want me to do about it? It's not my time. She does not continue the conversation, folks. She turns to the servants and says, do whatever he says to do. That's a mama. (laughs) And Jesus did it. Not because mama said to, but because it needed to be done. Jesus has this knack of knowing our expectations. And Jesus was ready to meet our expectations. There's nothing he can't do. So, when we have Jesus' stories, there's an expectation. But then Jesus does something. And that something requires people to listen. I have expectations of Jesus, and I forget to listen. We're so lucky in the story of Lazarus, a dead man listened to Jesus. Lazarus, come out, and out he came. I love that story. And and I always picture Lazarus coming out kind of like a zombie. You know, he's wrapped up in this shroud and and he's got a a cloth over his face and he can't see. You know, he's like all those mummy movies, the the black and white era with Boris Karloff, you know. And he's got these strips of cloth holding his arms and his feet together. How is it Lazarus comes out of that tomb? How does he get up off the slab and make it out the door? I thought I knew this story pretty well. In early January, I was at a clergy meeting. And one of my clergy colleagues by the name of Adam Barlow Thompson, he preached the Lazarus story. And I learned something. And I have to share it with you. And I see in the Lazarus story, there's a whole bunch of people that never get named. You know that, right? Because the very last part, Jesus has already called Lazarus out, and he's come hopping out in his little zombie way. 
all wrapped up. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Gosh darn it. I got a degree in English, and the worst word in the English language is them and they. Because who are they? They worry about what I look like. They worry about what I say. They do this and they do that. And now Jesus is talking to them. You know what? You, you are them. You are. And what did Jesus tell you to do? Unbind him and set him free. Jesus does the resurrection part. Jesus does the telling. And we have to do the listening. But we as the body of Christ, united, I don't care what sticker label you put on your church. You're God's church. And you have the responsibility of unbinding and setting people free. It's on us. Jesus is only going to get us so far. He can take us all the way. But he's putting that responsibility on us. That work is ours. So the way I see it now... My favorite story just became like, like, like five gold stars across the top favorite. Because in the story, by the time you get to the end, you're either Lazarus or you're the people doing the unbinding. And if you're anything like me, in all of my brokenness, you're going to take your turn being both. Unbinding can look different for different people. It might be an addiction that you're battling with and you need help. Unbinding might just be having more than you can carry because you have been facing so much grief and loss and you don't know what to do. Unbinding might be that you're overworked, underpaid, tired, and underfed. Unbinding, I don't have to tell you. You know what's binding you up. And if it's binding you, it just might be binding the person next to you too. There are so many people that are afraid of church. Church is a scary place. What do they do in those buildings on Sunday? Did you see the number of cars over at Bethel last night? What are they doing in there? I don't know, but they're doing over at First Baptist tonight. They're going to do it over at the Methodist Church tomorrow night. And there's people that don't know what it is. We do. Jesus is calling. Jesus is calling. Come out. Get off the couch. Get into your community. Find God everywhere. 
don't, don't keep that cloth over your face. Michael was nice enough to bring me a towel. I'm not swish, I'm not sweating, but you know, there's a cloth over our face sometimes. And we don't need it. But friends, I can't say it again without meaning it more. We have to do the work. We have to unbind our brothers and sisters. But we can't unbind them if we're still bound. If we have those strips of cloth holding our hands to our side and our feet tight, as soon as we reach out to help, we're going to face plant. So what's it going to be? Are we going to be them? Are we going to listen when Jesus calls? Are we going to be still and know that God is God? Are we going to be still and know? Are we going to be still? Are we going to be? Until we can hear? Until we can listen? Until Jesus has touched us? Said, come out. that happens, we have a community of faith ready to unbind us. May Jesus Christ breathe into all of us eternal life. May we all be resurrection people. Thanks be to God. Holy God, Thank you for the day you have made. And thank you for Swish that you could speak to him through him and tell me no lepers. Thank you, God, for your word. Send your word. Send Jesus. Help us to open our ears to hear Jesus calling. Help us, God, to help our brothers and sisters unbind themselves and set them free in the name of our Lord. All of this happens, God, through you, by you working in us and through us. Call us, God, to be your disciples. Lead us, God in the ways you want your world transformed in Jesus' name. I pray this now. In the name of Jesus the Christ, our Lord and risen, resurrected Savior. Amen. You know, revival is personal. It's fabulous what it does to our community. Because you all talk about it. For weeks and months, and even a year later, you're still chattering about last year's revival. It touched you. And this year's revival is going to touch you again in ways that you have not yet imagined. 
tonight, I gotta tell you, Methodist, we don't do invitations like this. We have different ways of reaching out to each other, inviting the conversation to continue. But what I have witnessed in revival, in sharing all of our faith traditions, there's something special when we're together and you get a little bit of Methodist flavor and a little bit of something else. So tonight I'm going to offer you that invitation. I'm going to quote Brother Shane. Are you still here, Shane? Out in the parking lot, what did you call the altar? We have called it an altar of shame. It's not. There's no shame up here except for my dirty, stinky shoes. There's no shame to come up and to say, can I pray? Will you pray with me? Because all of the pastors that are going to come up here, and you're going to come up with me, right? Yeah. All these pastors that are going to come up here with me, they want to help you unbind. So if Jesus is calling you, I invite you to come. And you know what? If Jesus isn't calling you to come share what's on your heart and mind, maybe Jesus is calling you to unbind somebody else. And if you need courage and conviction to do that, guess what? Church is a savings place and we're here to help you. It's about God. It's about God's kingdom. So I invite you, whatever you need, if it's to sit in your pew and turn to the person next to you and say, hey, can you, can you pray with me? I don't even know what I need to pray about, but would you just pray with me? Or if you have the courage to come up here and say, that's me. It's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's me, it's me, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. Yeah. Um, You got some music for me so I don't have to sing off key again? (laughs) Come on, brothers, help me out.